Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Good morning, it's Mary Stone on a drizzly screen porch. It is morning time, and one of the benefits of the drizzle is you do not hear the loud cicadas in the trees that are still singing. I've seen a few on the ground and wonder what the little fellows are doing. Are they going back into burrow themselves for the next season? I just adore the critters, I have to admit. We spoke about cicadas singing back to school in episode three. Boy, that was a long time ago. I invite you to listen in if you are catching up on old episodes. It's one of my favorites. Anyway, thanks to those that reached back after last week's chat. Keeping lighting pollinator friendly. It's such a delight to have the interview with Blaine. I learned so many things, but today I'm going to share another story about moths. I hope I'm not overdoing it with the moths. I'm actually quite fascinated by them. And I tried to save one from the screen porch just yesterday. When I captured the little fellow, I felt his wings fluttering in my hand, and I talked to it, saying, It's okay, I'm going to let you go outside. And as I did, the little guy flew right back into the screen porch. So I captured him again, and let's just say it did not end well, and I felt so bad about it. I know it's not going to live here, so it needs to be outside. So we do our best, don't we, to save the little critters? Anyway, it leads me to this week's chat. Moths are beautiful, too. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. A few weeks back, we chatted about how moths are like butterflies that party at night, a sentiment shared by Randy Eckel of Toadshade Wild Farm. We spoke about that in episode 35, Leaf Therapy, Essential Oaks, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Since then, I've grown far fonder of them. Like butterflies, moths are beautiful, too. A daily routine in recent weeks is gathering moths that have taken up residence in the screened porch overnight. They're easy to capture by morning, sliding them into a container, barely waking them until releasing them outside. Kurt jokes that I'm gathering the same ones each day. Maybe so, but it brings the question, why are moths attracted to light and coming indoors? Of course, we did address that very thoroughly from an expert. So Blaine, if you're listening to this story, please allow me to give a layman's point of view. I'll admit their party has lessened the desire for porch camps on the futon, having them land in my hair. It reminds me of a time growing up when we'd vie for a position on the cots outside the tent during vacations. It was pitched as a treat, though the truth is we didn't have enough room inside for all of us to fit. I woke to my mom's psst sound, to chase a raccoon sitting on my stomach, eating undercooked green beans left from dinner. Another time I woke to the tickling sensation of daddy longleggers crawling across my lips. I still adore camping. I hope you're not eating breakfast and listening to this. It sounds a little creepy, but I don't know. I guess I like all things creepy, crawly, but not on my lips. There are far more species of moths than butterflies, over 160,000 moth species live worldwide compared to 17,500 butterflies, and 11,000 kinds of moths are in the United States. Most moths are nocturnal, active at night, and butterflies by day, 
called diurnal. Both are important pollinators, as we've spoken about before. Moths are chubbier, and the scales on their wings slough off easier than butterflies, hence the powdery debris when we touch them. Their wings are flat on the body when resting, unlike butterflies that hold them tightly upright. Then there are skippers in the family of butterflies that have their wings at different angles when sleeping. People don't consider most moths beautiful, other than, say, the luna moth, with its four to seven inch lime green wingspan and stealth markings that look like eyes baffling bats, one of the greatest predators. Then there are hummingbird moths, also called clearwing moths, that look like hummingbirds. There are many other beautiful moths, too. When I comprised this story, I wrote that it is a mystery why moths are attracted to artificial light, especially UV bulbs, which is ultraviolet, though there have been numerous studies. Most critters that fly keep the light sky above them rather than fly upside down. Nocturnal insects use the light of the moon and stars to navigate flight, and artificial lights confuse them. So it's not that they are attracted to it. They are disoriented, causing a sensory overload of sorts. They circle the bulbs until they need to rest, finding a spot such as the inside of our screen porch. That's the layman's explanation. I loved Blaine's that was more scientific that we talked about last week. Folks create traps under lights, taking advantage of the moths' confusion. But please don't kill them. Moths, just like butterflies, surpass other insects as critical food for birds and other animals. Despite the opinion that moths eat clothing, they actually don't. It's the caterpillars or their larvae. Should a mama moth find animal fibers such as wool, cashmere, silk, or angora, or even leather, they lay their eggs there because they seek food for their babies with keratin, the same proteins found in hair and skin. Why my diligence to keep them outside? Yes, mothballs are a deterrent, but they're almost 100% made of pesticide called PDCP. I am going to try to pronounce this. P-dichlorobenzene. Not bad, not bad. Rather than mothballs, cedar-lined closets and trunks or cedar blocks serve as a natural pest repellent. So this is when it gets really funny. <laughs> what moths and bats have in common. Speaking of mothballs, they also deter bats, I learned during Kurt's DIY attempts to keep the resident bat from hunkering down in the barn. He made clever use of my pantyhose worn long ago in the corporate days. They made ideal casings for the hanging arsenal of deterrents, along with shiny throwaway pie plates. The strategy wasn't effective until he added a fan, adding movement to the decorations. It was hilarious. I am not kidding, literally. So you go up to the barn, you see all these pantyhose <laughs> with mothballs hanging like decorations, and then the pie plates and a fan going. I mean, this went on for weeks. It was ridiculously funny. The one lone bat. Maybe the same little fellow that hung on the barn door until tumbling down stunned. Finally moved on. I feel a little sad, Kurt said. I became attached to the little guy. Yes, while bats and many moths are considered ugly compared to butterflies, it brings an interesting thought that beauty depends on things labeled as ugly, an irony of opposites. Yet they serve magical and critical functions in the garden of life, a beautiful thing. It was funny to reminisce about pantyhose. I still have a stack of them in a drawer. They probably are all like corroded and stuff. And I have another application for using your pantyhose, ladies. And that is you can cut them up 
and use them to tie back plants. I know it's not that attractive, but they're very flexible. And so as a temporary measure, it's soft on the wood or even herbaceous plant stems. So there you go. Another use for your pantyhose that we don't wear anymore. Thank goodness, right? Enjoy all the magic of nature, including our moths and other critters. Ooh, I had a creepy thing happen in the vegetable garden. I was <laughs> picking beans that were a little bit left on the vine or long on the tooth. I will use them, though. A little bit overripe. Anyway, as I was looking at the tomato plants, I noticed, boy, there's some leaves that are a little bit chomped. Looking around further, I saw the tomato caterpillar. What are they called? I have photos of them that I took with aphids on their backs. It was the weirdest thing. When I got back inside, I researched what I thought were aphids on the tomato caterpillars, which are actually called tomato hornworms, and they were the larvae of parasitic wasps. That is fascinating. They lay their eggs under the skin of the hornworm, and the eggs hatch the larvae actually feeding on the hornworm's insides. Oh my gosh, that is kind of fascinating if you can't if you get beyond the creepy part. And the funny part was that because of the whiteness of the eggs, those green worms that feed on tomatoes and tobacco, by the way, so they're often called tobacco hornworms, made them very visible on the plant. Otherwise, they blend right in and are hard to see. So there you go. And by the way, the larvae of the tomato hornworm becomes a moth. Is it a beautiful moth? Of course, because moths are beautiful too. Anyway, thanks for coming by. I always enjoy our time together, and I really appreciate all of you that write in to me and uh, share your stories, and I encourage more of you to do the same. You can email me at askmarystone at gmail.com or through the social links in the tag. Have a great day. See you next time on the screen porch. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at gardendilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.